0: Hi
1: folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is March the 3rd, 2021. This is episode 2834 for the Survival Podcast. It is Wednesday, and typically that means interview day, and today is a typical day. We have an interview, but we have a non-typical guest. A really really great guy. Um, well known to a lot of you guys, and for some of you that are new to the show, maybe it would be the first time that you've heard of him. Or maybe you've heard of him and you didn't know that it all started for him right here at TSP. You'll hear about that today and more. Glenn Tate. Is the developer of PAM Radio Flashcards that teaches preppers the practical, not the technical use of ham radio and other forms of radio. He's also the co-host of the Prepping 2.0 podcast and syndicated radio show, and he's the author of the 10-book prepper novel series, 299 Days. And if you're like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Well, I'm not going to tell you about it now, but Glenn started right here, and we have a very long history of working together one way or another. Uh, But we're going to talk about mostly today, um, comms, radio communications. We're also going to talk about kind of the landscape and and the evolution of prepping and freedom and free speech that's occurred uh, in 2020, 2021. I know it seems like a bad year for free speech, but I think when you hear us talk today, you'll you'll hear how it's actually maybe a good year for free speech in a weird way. Uh, We'll talk about all of that more in just a bit. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor today, number one today, is Ridge Wallet. Ridge Wallet was one of those things that I had to be convinced of. Um, I got an email from a guy, and he said, I represent two different lines, and one was Ridge Wallet. And I think both of them would be good fits for your podcast. I can't even remember what the other one was, but I was like, that's definitely not a good fit. Ridge Wallet, maybe, I don't know. He said, let me send you one. So they sent me one. And I took all my stuff out of my billfold, and some of it wouldn't go in the Ridge Wallet. But I put all the stuff that would go in the Ridge Wallet in the Ridge Wallet and I, I completely use it differently than i think it's intended i have the one with the clip instead of the strap and the clip is supposed to be you stick your your cash in there uh, i've always been a believer this is like a little extra tip for you guys i don't know i don't believe i've ever said this i do not carry cash in my wallet i carry a wallet and i carry cash and that way if i'm ever held up and somebody wants my wallet here take it go ahead And be careful when you turn around because I might shoot you in the back of the head. Yeah, it might happen. Um, But if you get away with my wallet, you've got my ID, my credit cards, and whatever. But wherever I am, wherever I'm stuck, I still have my cash. That's why I do that. So I I, I take that clip that's supposed to be for cash, and I use it like a liner lock knife, and I carry it in my front pocket. And it's like it's not even there until I need it. And that means I don't take it out of my pocket. And that means I don't go to the store and realize that my wallet is in my console of my truck, uh, because it was like a big lump on my ass. And so I stuck it in the console, and I forgot. And then I went in the store, and now I now have all my stuff on the countertop, and I can't pay for it. It's, it never happened again. And it minimized what I was carrying, and that made my life better. And I think if you try the Ridge Wallet, you'll feel the same way. And then you'll realize, like, all of those cards with those little microchips and shit in them, they're all now protected from identity theft. It's just a great product. And I didn't really know how popular it was. Until I started carrying it, when I would pay for it, people were like, oh, that's the Ridge Wall. I'm like, really? So it's just a great relationship we have with Ridge. Check them out today. And we, get 10, we give 10% off everything they sell, backup power. They've got some packs. They've got some other stuff as well um, to MSB members. Next up, JM Bullion. Now, JM Bullion is your source for silver and gold if you're going to buy online. And I, I will say your source. You are a member of this audience. You listen to me. There is literally, I cannot give you a good reason to buy online silver and gold from anybody but Bullion. But I can give you a lot of good reasons to buy from them, and I think then you'll see why there's no good reason not to. Number one, all your orders ship free. Uh, Number two, they have better pricing than Monix and Atmex, which are the two biggest silver and gold houses in the country. Number three, I have the president of the company, I have a personal relationship where I can email him and hear back from him unless he happens to be in an airplane or something like that in the same day if there's ever a problem. And I haven't had a problem that I've had to take to him for like seven years. But I can do it if I need to. And if you're an MSB member, they give you a discount. So you see what I'm saying? Like, why the hell? I mean, if you're going to buy from your local shop, I understand that. But if you're going to buy silver and have it shipped to your house, why would you go anywhere but bullion? And remember, I've been giving the same advice since 2008 when I started the show and I was giving advice to my friends before it, 5 to 10% of your net wealth is your wealth assurance pro, uh, uh, portfolio in silver and gold. It, it just makes sense. Check it out today, jambullion.com. And I'm about ready to bring Glenn on, but I actually want to talk about something um, that I find interesting, the response I got to it when I shared it last night. If you haven't heard yet, Governor Greg Abbott, who I'm not a fan of, in many ways, Um, came out yesterday and said, it is time for Texas to reopen. I am eliminating the the statewide mask mandates. And and by I'll I'll hold on this. And Wednesday of next week, every single business in the state of Texas can open with zero restrictions. And so I shared this tweet of him saying this, just a screenshot of it, because I don't use Twitter. And... That's, and I said, and the libtards are losing their mind, which makes it even sweeter. And I got this huge response of people just crapping all over Abbott. And, you know, he should have done it earlier, blah, blah, blah. I agree. However, I don't care. Like, we, we've been in this shit for so long. And people kept saying, it will never end, it will never end, it will never end. Well, guess what? It's ending in Texas. Can't you be happy about that? And I think the people that are most bitter... They, you guys live in states where it's not ending, and maybe it never will. I don't know. Like California, or Michigan, right? Or New York. And maybe you're bitter. I, I don't get it. See, like, I don't care how bad a person is. When they do the right thing, I'll acknowledge it. And I do think it—it it is important for people who maybe don't live here to understand that, like... We're not going from being California or New York to being Florida. And I I think a lot of people seem to be taking it that way. We're going from being Texas to being Florida. We didn't we never ever took the approach of Michigan or California or Pennsylvania or New Jersey. We have no actual and never have had an actual mask mandate, the way that people take the term here in Texas. We have never been required, never infinity been required to wear a mask to go outside. Never. Never, never, never infinity. Most of us walked around all the time without a mask on. There's mask cards. About 45% of the people in Texas classify themselves as liberals. They're all mask cards. Okay? Businesses had... Were what was given the mandate. And they told the businesses, you must post this and you must enforce this. And then they did, the state did nothing. They let the businesses do it by their threat, which was wrong. So you would go into an Albertsons or a Target or whatever without wearing your mask. Cause I did it all the time. They'd say, sir, would you like a mask? No, I have one in my pocket. Goodbye. And many of us barely used a mask at all. There's this is what I did. I have the... Because uh, I wear these anyway, like when I'm fishing in a boat, so my face doesn't incinerate. They're the I don't remember what you call them now, but the ones that, like, they, if, you, if you pull them down, they look like a dicky on your neck, right? And they just pull up. They're supposed to be the worst mask. They're worse than nothing. That makes it even better. And so I would throw... If I went into a store where I knew it was going to be a problem, I'd throw this around my neck, and I wouldn't wear it. And then when I would check out, if the cash register person had a, an issue... Out of respect for them, not the policy, I would, okay, fine, here, check out, and as soon as I was done, I'd take it off. Or the stupid restaurants, would put it on and sit down and take it off. That's just dumb as shit, but whatever. My opinion of the restaurants were, they don't want this, and they're trying to stay in business. Right? So that's what that's actually what went on. But no one that I know of was ever prosecuted for not wearing a mask in the state of Texas. We did have business shut down for a very brief period of time. That was stupid and wrong. Um, But we have not been anything like the rest of the country, or the majority of the country, I should say. We were not like South Dakota or Florida. We should have been. But, hey, we're done with it now, here. We're done with this. And, you know, I had one person tell me, Abbott's a criminal. I'm like, well, he's a politician, so. I think that if we can't acknowledge... A person doing the right thing, even when that person is majority of the time wrong, we have no credibility in our criticism. That's the point I wanted to make with this little intro segment. I'm going to tell you, someday, maybe, I mean, my jaw might need to be surgically picked up off the floor and reattached to my face if it happens, but somebody like AOC may do or say the absolute right thing for the moment and I will say, that was right. Because if I can't do that, my criticism is worthless. It's useless. And so, I'm also going to tell you what else why I think this is important. Here's my prediction. As I'm becoming spirco right now, and if I was on video, you could see me transforming. I'm getting a big turban like Johnny Carson used to wear. Within a month... Ten more states will follow suit, minimum, within a month before March is over. At least ten more states will remove all mandates and open all businesses. And what we're going to end up with is a bifurcated country. With blue states locked down hard, still, into the summer. And the rest of us not giving a fiddler's fart. And there will still be no difference between them, and they will still claim that this is reckless and dangerous. Because this is what amazed me about the libtards with this. And I don't use that term a lot, but it's the only term that makes sense for this. You have Florida. Florida looks no worse than any other state. In fact, it looks better than a lot of states. Like the epitome of lockdown and masking and, you know, like California has like passports for kids to go to school. It's just... I just saw a video on it. It's one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. Florida's done better than California. You have no data to support your position, but they're losing their minds. And all I can say is, and this will fit with uh, the second part of Glenn and I's conversation in just a moment, keep going. I actually think we're at the point now, we're in all these things. The more extreme they become, the better it is for us, because the stupider they will look in time to anybody with an IQ high enough to even bother having a conversation with. Now, let's have a conversation with someone that is definitely worth having a conversation with, Glenn Tate, the uh, developer of PAM radio flashcards that teach preppers the practical, not the technical use of ham radio. And with that, hey, Glenn, man, welcome back to the Survival Podcast.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I have not kept track of how many times I've been on, but every time, it's wonderful and much appreciated. You have an amazing audience, and I'd love to get a chance to give them some ideas, maybe impart some knowledge to them, and that's why people listen to your show, and I'm happy to be part
1: of it. Well, the last time I had you on, I don't remember when it was, because, well, we've had an entire, let's just call it what it is, a clusterfuck of a year in between, <laughs> um, but you were just getting started Uh, with your new ham radio uh, uh, product, and we kind of talked about it right at the end, like it was coming, and you had an iPhone app, and I was all confused. I didn't know what you were talking about because I thought you were talking about an iPhone app that was ham radio, which I'm like, isn't that Zello? And you're like, no, 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 this is the Learn Ham Radio. So we've got you back on now because it's out, it's rolling. People are digging it. People are talking about it. Uh, It's available, and we're going to talk all about that today and comms and how that applies to preppers, but just for anybody that maybe had, you know, in the last you know year or so since you've been on, there's probably a few people listening that don't know who <laughs> or what a Glenn Tate is. So <laughs> tell us tell us a little bit about your background, and, and you know you're a known author and all that, and uh, it even that even goes back to the original TSP forum. So just kind of fill people in on on who Glenn Tate is.
2: Awesome, thank you. I'll start chronologically in 2008 or nine. I can't remember. I started listening to this podcast. It came up on my iTunes feed, and it was the Survival Podcast. I distinctly remember you saying something like, "Wow, we're up to 173 listeners." <laughs> I remember that number, and and I was I was so mesmerized by this crazy guy who was driving in his Jetta, his diesel Jetta that got about 40 miles a gallon. I seem to remember. You'd be driving into work, and you'd be talking as you're driving, and it was the most mind blowingly awesome, informative stuff, and I was completely addicted. I was honored to be asked to be one of the moderators on the TSP forum, which was and still is a a great forum. Um, And so then that kind of got it started. And then I remember I I had your cell phone number since I was a a moderator, and I uh, called you and said, hey, I'm going to write a book, a a prepper novel series. And you were very polite but (laughs) rather firm. You said, where's the effect of, hey, that's cool. When you actually write it, let me know because you were thinking, "Come on, everybody's going to write a book, right?" So then I called you like I don't know, two years later or something. I said, "Yeah, it's going to get published. It's a ten book series," and you and you were shocked, right? And that's fair. I get it. Um, just to be so, fair to me,
1: because yeah, every, for every thirty people that say I'm going to do something, maybe one does it, <laughs> right? I mean, it just yeah, you have to filter your time. But yeah, continue.
2: <laughs> yeah. So um, and so, not only did you um, were you supportive of it. Um, We did a, oh, it's called 299 days, by the way. I should probably mention that. 299 days. It's been, to my great surprise, and I mean this sincerely, to my great surprise has been very popular, especially in this community. I say a good chunk of the listeners have either heard of it or or read it or listened to it on audible and you were very helpful um you invited me down to texas to your place and we filmed uh, uh an intro a, mo- a video uh for the kickstarter project we were going to make a movie out of it and you were very gracious with your time i had i had i don't know 3 days at your place which was just awesome just so much fun and you're very supportive. I've been on the show a number of times talking about the books. Um, as far as me, I'm just a suburban lawyer. Um, I've now moved out of that place and I'm in a rural part of Washington state. So I'm much more of a partial homesteader, I'm going to say. I don't want to claim the credit of being a homesteader, but I'm much more homesteady ish <laughs> than I am pure prepper ish. And in, in the process of, of preparing, I learn things from scratch. We're going to talk about comms. That's one of the things, but I learned tons of topics from scratch, just like everybody else out there listening, right? I'm no big expert. I don't have a PhD in preparedness, if there even is such a thing. I just learn stuff and pass it on to people because why spend a bunch of time and money learning stuff that I've already learned, right? I mean, I can just pass it on and I want people to be prepared and all of that. So started doing that and I've been on the show a number of times. We, we started our our own podcast. My wife, when I say we, uh, Shelby Gallagher, who's also a prepper author, and it's called Prepping 2.0. And as the name implies, it's that next level of prepping. But that's that's me in a nutshell, and um, just glad to be talking to people about this because this information directly information that's the wrong word this uh, experience and things I've learned and practical knowledge. Directly improves people's lives, and what the heck? I've already learned it. I might as well pass it on, you know. And that's what we're doing here today.
1: So yeah, and we're going to be talking about ham radio, and you know, you kind of mentioned being a prepper, being a homesteader. Why do you think people that are preparedness-minded or homesteaders need to know enough about ham radio to use it?
2: In a word, community. Um, we we always talk about the need for community, and that doesn't mean the general population, of course, because most of them are dopes, and you probably don't want them around, to be quite honest. We're talking about your real community, people you can trust. You have to be able to talk to them. The classic example I always give is, you've got uh, whether it's a cul-de-sac, whether it's a country road, whatever the setting is, you've got some people around you that you can trust. They don't have to be your best friends in the world, but they have to be trustworthy, like on the same team, um, not going to like rob you of your stuff. right? Pretty low standard, but Um, when, if there's motorcycle gangs, that's always a good example, rumbling around. If somebody in, in your area, cul-de-sac, country road, hears the rumbling of the motorcycle gang, being able to get on a radio and say, get ready or let's rally up or do this or that is critical because you can't do anything big and important when it comes to the kinds of things you'd be facing in in a preparedness. All by yourself. I mean, why do you think the police and military and rescue teams and everybody else, they all have radios because they can't do it on their own. And so that's why it's important for calling out for help, being able to help, um, all those sorts of things. And it's, it's critical. And it's one of these things that you don't realize how important it is until you actually start using it. And then light bulbs start going off. And just, just think if you didn't have your phone, um, how would you communicate? Uh, you didn't have the internet. How would you communicate? And there's there's a really simple answer to that, and that's ham radio. So it is it is critical. It's maybe below water, but it's pretty high on the on the list of prepper and homesteading needs. Obviously, everything I'm saying is sort of focused at preppers, but it, it all applies to homesteaders too. I mean, homesteaders might have motorcycle gang problems. They might have uh, you know you're out there using an axe cutting some wood and and there's no communications available, and, and that nurse that lives two, two houses down that country road needs to know that you need some help. So, I mean, it, it applies to homesteading, too. I'm going to lump them together and just call it preppers for this, for this show.
1: Okay, fair enough. Um, why do you feel that so few folks, even in the prepper space, learn about this topic? It, it, is, it is something that, I don't know, it kind of has fanatics, uh-huh. and I don't care. <laughs> there's not a lot of there's not a lot of well you know I know enough to use it if I need to use it right like I, and I just, I'm going to say straight up and I've said this over the years and I still believe it I believe the almost evangelical almost like sunday door knocker level of in your face about it is part of the answer to this question I think that like it's almost a messiah complex, is a term that's used for it in libertarian circles. We're like, have you heard about libertarianism? Yeah, I have. Do well, you need to know about? Do you know about Ron Paul? Do you know about Ron Paul? You know, it's like, holy shit, dude! Chill, right? Like, and I, I do see some of that out of some, some segment of the ham community. Do, do you agree with that, or do you think it's technical, or is it both?
2: Well, um, to your, to your most recent point about the fanaticism, I do see it, and I don't like it because. A lot of the fanaticism about ham radio comes from people who know a lot about it, and it's a technical topic. And I don't know how old some of the listeners are, if they remember Welcome Back, Cotter. Remember the character Horseshack? He would always raise yeah. his hand and say, ooh, 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 ooh. He wanted to show everybody he knew the answer. Yeah. Right? And I think there's a lot of Horseshacking going on among the ultra-ham adherents. I, I always compare it to, like, bird watching. What if somebody knocked on your door and said – Birdwatching is really cool. You need to birdwatch. There's a, there's a, you know, a, a red-billed pecker snapple out there, and you should, I mean, you'd be like, what? Your focused, very specific, myopic hobby is not something that I need to change my life to go do. I mean, that's kind of a weird thing. So that's an exaggerated version of that. There are, there are fanatics. I'm, I'm not, not
1: so sure it's exaggerated. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and so, but to the bigger point about why preppers don't, usually um, naturally just say well i'm going to learn comms today it's a big it, it's perceived to be and this is all erroneous because well you'll see where i'm going with this it is perceived to be a very technical complicated topic and this is where the ham radio fanatics really they don't help the situation because they'll sit there and they'll start talking about ohms and amps and and millihertz and kilohertz and resistors and capacitors just to, again, horse shack and show everybody that they know this stuff, and it really turns off normal people. So I am a non-technical person. I hate math. I hate science, really. Isn't that a funny thing to say? I don't like – okay, I don't hate science, but you know what I mean. It doesn't interest me. All I need is practical stuff. All I need to do is be able to communicate with my neighbors about the motorcycle gang, for example. I don't need another hobby. I don't need another expensive hobby, and I don't need another time-consuming hobby. If I'm very interested in something, I will gravitate to it and spend the very limited amount of time I have on something that actually interests me. So to me, ham radio is – I'm going to say it – a necessary evil. Now, I ended up liking it more than that, but I'm talking about when I went into this. So how it started, it's a funny story that illustrates exactly this entire point, and that is um, – the team in, depicted in the 299 Days books, all real guys, we're all still a team and, and all of that. Um, we were going through the, the different stuff. There were guys that gravitated towards, of course, guns, right, of course, guys that gravitated towards medical and all these other things. And it came down to comms, and nobody volunteered for it. And I thought, well, I got to do this, right? I mean I understood why we needed my group, my mutual assistance group, why we needed to have comms. So I said, okay, okay. I'll I'll learn this and and tell you guys what you need to know. This is hilarious, and it shows how old I am. I'm in my early 50s, if others out there can sort of follow along with my demographic cohort. So I thought, well, to teach people ham radio stuff – and by the way, I just watched a bunch of YouTube videos basically. (laughs) um, I said, well, I'm going to do some flashcards, right? And in my old-timey geezer way of looking at things, I actually thought – get ready to laugh – I'd get some three by five index cards and a Sharpie and I'd write out questions on one side and answers on the other, and my guys could look at the flashcards and learn, you know, about frequencies and stuff like that. That's how old timey um I am. So I mentioned this idea to a friend of mine who was a millennial, he's like twenty seven, and he looked at me and he goes, Why don't you do electronic flashcards on an app? And I said, Duh, that's exactly what I need to do. So the point with this is this entire project is called Pam Radio. This entire project PAM is in Prepper Amateur Radio. Started off as me, number one knowing nothing, number two not being interested in the topic, and number three being very practical. How do I tell my guys what they need to know? And so I started basically writing these things, you know, in a, in a Word document, an electronic thing, and kept going. It's, this is just like 299 days. I remember we talked about this on the phone years ago it started the book started off as a post-it note became a chapter became a book and then became 10 books it's like when i have information that i think is going to be helpful to people i kind of can't stop right and that's probably a good thing for anyone who's receiving the information because i'm very thorough so i uh i just started working and working on these things i have to admit i became interested in it i don't want to sound like i hate ham radio i i now kind of like it but it wasn't an instant attraction right and so that's the focus very practical what do people who have no background in this and have no interest in this and only need to know the practical stuff it is practical not technical information pam radio is not a test prep app or whatever for your fcc license there are a million of those out there and there are some really good ones And that's a different thing. This is not to get an FCC license, although I highly recommend people do, but this is the practical stuff. This is like what to buy. And I put links in there in the, in the flashcards, the electronic flashcards, right? Um, I'm like, Hey, this radio works for me. This antenna pairs well. It fits. You know, the, the, the screw that you screw it into fits and all of that. And this is a way to program these. This is a bad idea for program and it's all links. So you can go and click on the links and get all the experience that I've developed over a number of years the hard way. And you just instantly get it. It's stuff that works. And I explain why you need, you know, ham radio and, and, and the gear stuff. I mean some of the push to talk tactical stuff, some of the base station stuff. Scanners, all the the whole communications topic is contained in 147 electronic flashcards. The average time people spend going through the cards, and I honestly, I hope I don't sound like a jerk here, and learning everything they need to know, the practical side of it, about 40 minutes instead of about 40 years, right? And so, yeah, that's what it is, and that's how it started off. It's all practical, no technical. And it's been field tested. Um, I developed this as I went about teaching my mutual assistance group.
1: So is this really designed to help people um, pass their FCC ham radio license? Is it more of a mechanical, this is how it works? Is it both? I mean...
2: It is very much mechanical, this is how it works, specifically for preppers. Um, there there are all kinds of, of communication Frequencies, devices, bands—I guess—that don't require an FCC license that are that are uh, talked about in the cards. And so, if you don't want to take your FCC test, um, by all means, don't. And there are still ways to communicate, very effective ways to communicate without having to take a test or get a license. So, it is not at all about passing the FCC test. Uh, make and and I make that really clear, but I'll say this. Uh, the PAM radio flashcards will give you all kinds of good practical background that I think will stick with you because if you're a prepper and you understand what you need to know is a practical matter and then you find out what you need to know on the practical side, the technical stuff's going to make more sense because you have a framework. You have a reason, oh, this is why this would be important kind of thing. So I think that PAM radio and an FCC test – pair well if we were at a fancy restaurant, right? I mean, they go well together, um, but they are separate things.
1: So, then how exactly does, you know, your app, Pam Radio, get preppers the practical information they need to use Ham Radio, as opposed to all the technical stuff that they don't really need, or they might need long enough to pass a test and get their little rubber stamp and call sign?
2: Yeah, well, it starts off with things like reasons that ham radio is important um briefly address some of the necessary jargon and there's only three or four terms that you know that you need to know um so we make it clear i think that's always important when you're you're giving someone information or teaching them something telling them why this is going to help them out i mean for example with algebra in high school right i mean no one could ever tell me why i would ever use it so i kind of didn't pay as much attention so we start off like here's how you use it Here's, not here's how you use it. Here's why you need it, and then we go through and build it up. Um, the elemental stuff about bands, you know, all the different bands uh, in the ham radio spectrum. Again, some that require licenses, many that don't. And then I, I, I keep it very practical. I, I I keep it to the level of if you need to do this, then consider this. And for example, if you only need to talk. A half a mile away because you're in a cul-de-sac then for example frs is probably going to be that's family radio service it's a band probably going to be good for you and here are the advantages of frs and here are the disadvantages and then i keep going because basically that's what the questions often come down to you know that when people ask me who aren't ham radio people they're like i need to talk x amount of miles how do i do that that's mm-hmm. a very practical question so i i set up the cards to answer those sorts of very practical questions so I've got an answer for a half mile and I've got answers all the way up to you know uh, states and regions um, that being high frequency stuff um, I've listened to a conversation in Argentina before right on my my now that of course is a high frequency thing but anyway I don't mean to get into details so that's the, the practical and I answer those questions and then it comes once we've got bands Figured out, and people can pick and choose what works best for them. Um, then we get into things like which gear to buy, uh, and that, that again has all the links. And then um, I, I do have a foray into the tactical side, as I said, you know, the push to talk stuff, because that's a lot of what gets people started with ham radio. I get into things like having a base station with a scanner and a, and a dedicated person if you have extra people and you know can, can basically spare the body, um, having someone who's effectively a dispatcher who's always monitoring these things and all of those sorts of things. So I think that answers your question, but that's how I set it up.
1: No, it definitely does. Is this part of why you called it PAM Radio? Yeah. Right? Because, you know, when you hear Pam Radio and then you start talking about ham, it's just like it came up with a quirky name for your app or whatever. However, what this really does is it teaches far beyond, maybe not far beyond, maybe far in front of the the ham level in that there are a lot of people, like we have radio comms with neighbors in our community here that are basically like, if all the shit fails, turn your radio on. Right. And we're using mirrors for that, right? I mean and it works perfect for us. We we you know, we've tested it, everybody that's part of that group, we can communicate with each other. It's just there. I even went out and made the investment in the gear and gave it to people. Here put it here, I'll come over, I'll plug it in. All you gotta do is if the cell network's down, turn this the hell on and we'll all talk to each other. And you know, some of them have been like, Okay, yeah, I'll do that and some have actually been willing to Get on and come up with protocols and all. So the, as long as there's a core, and I think that's important. Like as long as there's a core of people using it, when when the other people are getting on, you kind of like if you think of if you think of it like Zello, when you have a well-run channel and people show up, they pretty quick kind of fall in with the protocol, right? Because it's obvious. So to me, it was important to get at least a few of the people trained up. But it seems like your app is designed. You pick the spectrum you want to work in, and then this app will help you no matter what.
2: Exactly, and you get enough background on the various – I'll call them products, basically. And by products, I mean ham radio bands like FRS and MERS, M-U-R-S, that you were talking about, and and VHF, UHF, and Marine Band, and anyway, all these things. You figure out sort of what fits your need. And there's several cards on each one of these bands that gives you more and more information. And then I think one of the best parts of this product is the, uh, I have some tables in there and, and I say, okay, if you want half mile stuff, you know, the following bands are good. Here are the pluses, here are the minuses. And I lay stuff out in a comparison table, which is, I think, a really good way to decide what to pick. But you're right, all the protocols and everything. Those fall into line. One thing that I don't do in PAM radio and I don't do in real life and don't think people should do in real life, and that's come up with complicated you know, code names and like uh, ciphers and crazy stuff. I mean, that to me is kind of like playing spy or something when you're like 12 years old. You know what I mean? That's not really practical. You know what it, really practical.
1: Do you remember what it makes me think of? Do you remember the show In Living Color Yeah, and, and Jim Carrey? Would he either be like he was like a security chief, or they had this thing that was like a knockoff the guardian angels, and he was yeah. like, "Go for the squirrel, go for the squirrel." That's exactly what it makes me think of. <laughs> and and that, it was and his that's... mom. He was talking to his mom and shit. It was.
2: Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's that's just dumb, and people shouldn't do it. And yeah, and no, it's it's exactly right. It's the it's again. The stuff you need to know and none of the stuff you don't. And you mentioned Pam, and we're talking about that name. There's a lot in that name. P-A-M, and it could have been Prepper Amateur Radio, which is what I'm calling it. It could also be Practical Amateur Radio. And I thought, well, you know, peeve in two words, and let's just go with Pam. So whether you want to call it Prepper Amateur Radio or Practical Amateur Radio, that conveys what these things are about. And I, I keep using the term mistakenly, app, and I want to clarify something about the format of it. Um this is not really an app as in on the Apple iTunes store or the Android thing. Short version of that story is Apple has spent – we're on year number two of them approving this app. And so I gave up on oh, them. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I know. It's terrible. Well, it's – yeah, yeah it, it, it's a long story. I gave up on them and I said, okay, we're going to get this into people's hands. So what you do is if you want, um, when you order it, it's 15 uh, When you order it – uh, a a link is emailed to you and you open that link on whatever device you want to have if you want it on your phone if you want it on a tablet or a desk whatever and then the cards are there the cards are a PDF so you can print them out i I'm a big fan of hard copy backup for everything so you can print them out you'll lose the functionality of the links in them but the information will be there so I recommend it and and you don't even have to buy these to get a lot of information out of it I do at the website pam-radio.com I have seven videos up they're short between five and 15 minutes where I go over all 147 cards and I show people what I'm talking about little narrative little color commentary and you know if you want to do that that's cool I mean you're going to get the information you're not going to get the links in the cards which I think are the most important part of the cards but um, at least the information gets out and I'm not trying to like charge people money to learn stuff I think you should buy the cards, and I think you're going to learn a lot. But, you know, it's kind of like the library. If you want to read this stuff for free, you can.
1: Gotcha. And um, were you surprised that there wasn't anything like this? (laughs) Yeah. There wasn't an app? Like what it makes me think of, I can't think of the dude's name now, but there was a guy that ran the patent office like in 1899. And he wanted to, even though he had the job of running the patent office, he wanted to close it. His assertion was, "Come on, it's 1899. Everything that you could come up with to invent and patent has been done, (laughs) right? 1899. You think of what didn't exist, right? Um, And I think that sometimes we look at like apps and technology that way. Like, if you if somebody said to me today, Jack, what 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 app should I create? If I if I rattled the first ten ideas I got out of my head, I think there's a 99% chance." they would all exist but there's still opportunities like this
2: that is a great question and the answer was i couldn't find anything back to the story about you know the index cards for my team i just assumed because there's a million youtube channels on ham sure. radio there's there's i mean there's podcast i mean there's all this stuff all this free information i just assumed the practical stuff would be covered by somebody And then when it wasn't, I said I'll do the cards and then the index cards. And then I said, "Well, I I guess I need to do this." Yeah, I was very surprised it didn't exist. I'm kind of surprised that in the couple years it took to develop this, that in those intervening years, you know, somebody didn't come up with this. But no, nobody else does the practical side like this. Again, there are a million apps for taking the FCC test, but nothing for the practical, especially the preparedness-minded side of things. And okay, cool. Um, I guess then you know this will be of more benefit to people because I'm the only one doing it. That's cool.
1: Got you, man. Now you're an author. Now you're a yeah. podcaster. I believe you actually have a terrestrial radio show, or you did anyway. Uh, you're, yes, also, yeah, you're
0: also you're
1: also an ambulance chaser. We call that lawyer. Yes. Um, yes. Why I don't the war? That kind of law, but yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm just messing with you, right? <laughs> like, but I mean, you author, podcaster, attorney, and yeah. Why in the world did you take on a project like an app to teach amateur radio?
2: (laughs) You know, you make an excellent point, and now that I hear you say it, I think maybe I shouldn't have.
1: I think that was crazy, (laughs) but I did.
2: Again, it all came down to this is information that nobody else is putting out there that is really important to thousands of people. It's really important to the preparedness community. And much like I said to my team, okay, if nobody else is going to do this, I guess I need to. And and that's that's why I put it out. Um, it is I'm to the point now where if I had any leisure time, I probably wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, but here's the thing, whether it's the books and. My law job – by the way, I sue government for a living and represent liberty causes. So um, I know you're kidding about the yeah, yeah. So many people hate lawyers. I, I could tell they were already turning off the podcast when they heard that. But <laughs> no, I mean there are a handful of good guy lawyers, and I consider myself one of them. And then in the show, um, we're on episode 123 of the show. It's a weekly show, and that's a lot of work. But all these things, books, podcasts, PAM radio and, and law – I love doing it because I'm not just sitting in the suburbs doing my, my cubicle job. You know what I mean? I, I'm out living. I'm actively and I'm learning and I'm applying stuff and I'm helping people and it's a full, comprehensive, vibrant life. And that to me is way more important than, you know, spending Sundays watching football games, not watching the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know you and I have a disagreement about that, but anyway, we don't need to
1: bore people with that. Uh, you know what, speaking of bored, I was pretty much bored by the NFL this year. <laughs> I, I really was. Like, my team didn't lose a game for the first 11 games, and I, I didn't pay attention. Yeah. I, I really not. did, and I was like, you know, if y'all want to virtue, and, I, you know, I didn't give a shit when the whole thing started with, you know, kneeling during the anthem or whatever. I'm like, just don't watch it. But they went – I know this is off topic, but they went so freaking – and I want to use the other F word – so freaking mentally dense – this year, did I just – and then when I started doing the cardboard cutouts of people's faces in the stands, I, I, I can't do this. I uh, I did put the Super Bowl on, and I turned it off. I got bored by the Super Bowl. That has never happened in my life. I think that uh, – you, know, you talked about some of the problems with Apple, and I want to come back to that in a second. Uh, I think some of this stuff is really starting to backfire. Any, anyway, you, you continue there. I'm sorry. No, no.
2: I just uh, – and, and so people know um, I'm a – big Seattle Seahawks fan, and of course the Super Bowl in 2005 between Pittsburgh and Seattle. Um, It's a little joking thing. Yeah, it's where you
1: lost, and you keep whining that you didn't. Yeah, yeah, because of the reffing. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) Sore losers. That's right. (laughs) But yeah, that's the reason I'm out doing all this stuff. I kind of can't stop, and that's a weird thing to say. Maybe I get to a point where where I can, and that would be cool. But now there's, yeah, there, there's such a need for the information to get out there. And I'm in this unique position of having, for example, sat down and learned ham radio. And it's just kind of my obligation, plus it's fun, to get the information out. I'm kind of a weirdo, Jack.
1: Um, so there you go. Uh, you know, let's, let's circle back to this stuff with Apple again. Like, you said that P could be practical, do you think mm-hmm. if you called it that they might have approved <laughs> it? do you think like is is prepper the the? Pre- i I just don't understand how the you know it's stupid, and I do use that word very descriptively and very accurately as stupid as apple google facebook Twitter have become an app that is basically a q and a index card digital representation of this is how radio works. The only reason that I can see that that would do what it's done is oh, it's just prepper. It says, oh, my, this is a right wing, you know, uh, uh, white supremacist, uh, capital storming, Trump tards. Oh, my God, they're getting us now with radio. You know, like, do you have any idea as to really why?
2: You know, you bring up an excellent point, and – I was going to say, but I'm going to take it back. I was going to say, if I could do it over, I would have called it Practical Amateur Radio, but I wouldn't, and here's why. I wanted the title of the product to tell people who this is aimed at, to show people that, you know, if you're a prepper, this is information you, a prepper, need to know. And uh, there was a, a workaround, to be honest. I don't want to come across as like Mr. Principled High and Mighty Virtue Signaling Guy. Like, I would never – go with apple well there was a practical thing which was basically a, a, a unique link that when you purchase it you get the pdf there was a way around it so thank goodness um but yeah i think it's entirely right and when i started the apple development process i don't know two years ago apple wasn't like it is now mm-hmm. i'm technically approved by the way okay that's the other thing
1: you're technically approved uh, okay just
2: haven't got around just to,
1: practically like, banned
2: Putting it up, yeah. They just it can't be distributed on iTunes, so I'm approved, but just no one's ever going to see it from iTunes. Um, and they charge me every month, by the way, for having the honor of being an Apple developer. And I need to I need to cancel that charge. Yeah. Um, thank yeah. you for reminding me, Jack.
1: <laughs> Jackasses. I I really think that we uh, we're going to see the development of technologies that more and more bypass this uh, this kind of app. Monopoly type mindset where I think there'll be things like supposedly Gab's coming out with a Gab phone. We'll see if that was a publicity stunt or real, but I think you'll see more and more like open source phones where you can run, you know, Google Play apps or Apple apps or open source apps, more stuff like that. But I also think, like, I don't know, I think you're going to see things like so Gab, who I'm not exactly in love with, but I, I, you know, I like anybody that circumvents assholes, Um, and um, they took the Brave browser and created it into the Decenter browser, and there's kind of a way, and I don't know how to do it because I don't use Gab that much, but there's kind of a way where you can basically use that um, browser, and it it functions through your phone like the app, Mm. so that you get your alerts and stuff, and and I might not be completely accurate on that because I haven't bothered, but I've seen like cross- cross-communication discussions of people talking about it. And I'm just wondering, like, long-term, are we going to get into a point where that happens? And then, of course, of course, then Apple or Google will ban the app for the browser. And then you're going to, like, sooner or later, you're going to end up with this, like, technology warfare escalation. And I feel about it the same way I feel about blockchain, cryptocurrency, etc. Like, for the first time, the people that think they're in power, you can't win. When you have, like, guys that sit around, you know, you know, we picked on kind of the super technical ham radio guys, but they're the guys that create shit, right? So, like, when you take that and you, you look at the other side of the coin and say, okay, now let's think about the guy that grew up and he was coding stuff when he was nine, And he got into blockchain when he was 14. (laughs) And he's with, like, five of his buddies that speak in English. But if you and I were listening to him, and I'm pretty switched on with blockchain, we'd all be like, what the hell is he? What? And those guys are developing a technology to hose up. Like, their only purpose in life at that point, because they're rich on Bitcoin, right? Like, we have nothing else to do. Let's screw them harder. Okay. Like, I just see, like, more and more of that coming where people like yourself... And, and me, we may not even understand the fundamental underlying technology. And that's, to me, good technology is when I don't have to know how it works to use it. Like, I don't know exactly how PayPal settles a transaction. But I know how to put a buy now button on my site. And so kind of that gooey level, I think that, like, people like you, people like me that are doing things that are in this space, I believe, honestly, the, the people doing the censorship, they're brainwashed drones But some of what they're censoring actually is hate speech or whatever, and they've convinced themselves they're doing God's work or whatever. I think we're going to be able to completely get around them, though, and at some point there's going to almost be like a white flag moment of, of an understanding and acceptance, like this whole idea of controlling communication in a world with Internet, IPFS, blockchain is done.
2: I used to disagree with you. Okay, and and I've changed my mind. And here's what I used to think: No, not not right now. But I, I changed it a couple couple weeks ago. Okay, um, I used to think up until a couple weeks ago. Every time somebody would say that there's going to be, and I'll just use Facebook as an example. There's going to be a new Facebook. There's going to be millions of liberty-minded people who get off Facebook and get on something else. There's going to be millions of people who quit using uh, the credit card networks and the ACH networks and debit card networks. And there's going to be a liberty tolerant, I guess, uh, you know, financial network. And I would sit and I'd listen to it and I'd think that would be cool, but I just don't see it happening. I just don't see a parallel economy is one of my favorite terms springing up and there's going to be a practical way to do it. I've changed my mind on that because in the past couple months really, um, we've seen all kinds of little, little beginnings of this. Um, we've seen uh, there are a million examples, and you've you've mentioned some of them. Now I think it's unstoppable. Um, I used to say jokingly, but now it's serious. I used to say jokingly, someday Facebook will seem like MySpace, and I'd chuckle. But then I kind of think it is. I think that mm. yeah, I'm only on Facebook to tell people to get off of Facebook, basically. <laughs> That's what I and, do. Exactly, I watched I've, I I follow you on there, and it's funny. Um, so I think that you're exactly right. I think the time has come where the stakes are high enough because big tech has completely overplayed their hand. They are going to absurd lengths. My my wife last night went on Amazon to try to get some Dr. Seuss books, and they're disabled. She went on to eBay, and a Dr. Seuss book is 500 bucks. Yeah, and because Dr. Seuss is a racist. Okay. Have you read Dr Seuss? I think it's not I think he's one of the most inclusive guys ever, but when Dr Seuss books are $500 a copy because Dr Seuss is a racist, you're so far out in weirdoville, you're, oh, yeah. you're just and and it's obvious to normal people and also a lot of people are now being I'll call them in quotes normal people, not right-wing wackos like us, right? A lot of normal people are getting affected by this regular people are seeing that post that they put on Facebook 4 years ago yeah about I'm going to go target shooting I'm trying out my new 22 pistol and it's a picture of a gun and they're getting like you know banned for 30 days for something they posted 4 years ago now that it affects normal people it's suddenly a problem mm-hmm. and these tech these tech tyrants cannot keep it up and you're right it, you you nailed it you know the 14 year old's coding and all that other stuff that is how we win. We're, our side is smarter, more creative, and and more risk tolerant than than the tyrants, and we will always win. And we're seeing it now. So I completely agree. We're going to have parallel information systems. I think once we do the financial network, because that's the one thing that kind of causes me concern. Um, you know, Pam Radio or the show or whatever, or probably even your show. Um, we rely on what i don't paypal or visa or master you know those networks once we solve that problem then it's off to the races because i fully expect big tech and they've started this but they'll do more of it the whole social credit rating and all these other things they're going to try to use that to strangle us and we're going to be one step ahead there are tens of millions of people in this country not exactly like you and me and the listener but like more like us than like you know suburban biden drones and there's a huge market for it and now i've seen regular people wanting to have an alternative and that's when our creative side of our our mindset and our kind of people um the opposite of the of the hive mentality we unleash it and and facebook's going to look like myspace here pretty doggone
1: soon i think it'll still be huge it'll just be full of nothing but leftists (laughs) and i think i think they'll get bored really quick and I think that's an interesting thing that like you can get a whole shitload of people and you can have a mix. They can be conservatives, they can be libertarians, they can be minarchists, they can be anarchists like myself, and you can have a really colorful, creative, diverse conversation. You take people from the left side of the spectrum, as soon as you take us away to argue with, all you have is basically is what I call the oppression Olympics. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, you think you, you think you are at the bottom of the social order. Let me tell you about myself. I'm a transgendered American Indian and half black with a handicap who also is non-binary. And then like the next person's is like, oh, oh, I got this. Right. And it's like, how far down the social strata can you go? That's all they have left. And without us to argue with, I think that place becomes a ghost town. And I, I don't I think anybody will I think there'll be people there, but they always say that like these alternatives are echo chambers and and my response to that has always been well you if if you walk to the Grand Canyon and you start yelling things out, you will get an echo but who controls what comes back in the echo you so if you don't want to hear about how Trump is great go to these other places and talk about. Ham radio, or growing food in your backyard, or taking care of animals, or prepping, or whatever. Like, and some bitch that's what people are doing now. It took a while, and it really was, like, a lot of these alternative sites were nothing, especially in the last couple years, right? We're Trump, 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 Trump. They're like, oh my God, I don't even hate the guy, but my God, you people are nuts. And they're QAnons. But I also said, like, okay, guys, give it time, and come join the party, because... Of course, they're the minor- majority of the people there. They're the ones that got booted, so they're the first ones to go find a new home. They're kind of the pioneers in that space. And but to me, like everything has gotten so much more diverse. Um, we use MeWe a lot, and we get we get way better interaction, way better response, way better communication, way more productive conversations on what I I don't even call it alternative and, and you know uh, conventional anymore. It's like what I'm calling legacy social media now is like Facebook and Twitter. They're legacy. They're old platforms. They're 15 years old. That's that's archaic in 2021.
2: You know, there's evidence of what you're talking about when you mentioned that once you take the right away from the conversation, the left is bored. Look at the ratings for yeah. MSNBC yeah. and CNN. Where it's left all the t- where it was Orange Man bad Orange yeah. Man bad, and now they don't have that to talk about anymore, and the the ratings are plummeting. So the left can't sustain its its echo chamber, uh, and they needed Trump, and now that he's not around, it's a problem for him. So that's to me evidence of what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I mean if you look at when Trump was around, ratings for everything were high, including like Trump's Twitter account. Trump's YouTube account. And you know that, like, when 50 million people watched a live stream of Trump, it wasn't all Trump tards, right? It was people that hated him, too. Like, they paid attention. Joe Biden has, like – I think my YouTube channel gets more views than Joe Biden's. (laughs) And I'm not (laughs) a big YouTuber. And, I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm dead serious. I mean, if you took out all the media that kind of has to to use it and you look at the general population, I don't think the guy has – Anybody paying attention to him, even people that are glad he's there, they don't pay attention to him. It's 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 odd, but I think that's part of what it is. Like the the leftist argument has become such a their bad argument. They don't have anything to talk about without a boogeyman, and the boogeyman went to Mar-a-Lago and is probably playing golf, right? So, and boy, it seems like they're trying. I know we're off topic, but they're trying to reanimate him, man. Like it's like, like if he dies, I think they'll dig him up. You know, and mount him and put him up on a pedestal and say, see he's still there. Like they or they'll find somebody new. Like they need somebody to be that bad guy. And I think like Trump's biggest negative is that he became the, the ultimate boogeyman for the left.
2: Oh anyway. well, he was, absolutely. Trump derangement syndrome and all those other things which is fun to watch. <laughs> it was fun um, to watch. <laughs> you know, it's speaking and there's a there's a preparedness aspect to what you're saying, I think. And that is and this maybe is just true of me, I'm curious what you think. I know that, you know, the the election and the election fraud stuff. By the way, I've I've done as a special assistant attorney general, I've done a voting rights act case. I'm very familiar with the topic and to watch that stuff unfold um was of great interest to me, and it was exactly what I thought it would be, and how I thought they would do it. But in any event, um, I think that after the elections were done, and and Biden was—I call him the so-called president—but after he was installed, I think a lot of people in in the community, our community, said, "Okay, well, that was interesting. That was quite the roller coaster ride. I was glued to my you know TV or whatever it was." And now people are saying, okay, that's over with. I'm exhausted by that. Let's figure out, you know, how to grow a garden. Let's figure out how to sustainably more long-term and less panic-buying mode of thinking. Let's figure out how to get through the obvious rocky times that are coming. And so we're we're seeing on Prepping 2.0 a big increase in listenership uh, because people want to hear about how to store food they want to hear about how to treat water and all of these other things and candidly you know in the election time and thereafter we did a lot of shows because we did a lot of shows on on the possibility of you know coups or perceived coups and all these other kind of things because those were the biggest threats facing the country those were the biggest things that would spark a need to put your preps into action, so we kind of covered it, right? That was the biggest thing. It's not a thing anymore, and now we can, delightfully, I may add, we can return to topics that are very practical and and meat and potatoes, preparedness issues, so that's good because I'm exhausted about the whole political thing. So, yeah, I think that's going on.
1: I think that's going on, and I think right in concert with it and, and driving the migration away from these legacy platforms is the banning, like, I think the two work together, like, okay, this thing ended. I think a lot of people are finally accepting the fact that the political system isn't what they think it is. Like, it is a rigged game. Like, because when the QAnon say, we got the election stolen from us, I'm like, you damn right you did. But you still think the solution's at the ballot box, right? Yep. You still think, even though they just did this to you, in real live time on video, you got people in Georgia pulling boxes of ballots out from under the table, suitcases, out from under the table after the the whole thing was closed and they said they went home and they got away with it scot free and you still think this is your solution but I think there's a lot of people going you know what that doesn't work that, and they maybe yeah. they'll still go out and they'll they'll vote and they'll hope it matters or whatever but they're also like I need something I can do right like like I need something that I can do that matters. And I've seen a, like, 2020 is supposed to be a terrible year for business. I almost feel guilty in saying it was the best year that my show and my community has ever had. And it included walking away from Twitter, walking away from Facebook. Like, and those seemed like really sketchy decisions when I made them. Like, because I can quantify the revenue that comes from things that happen there, right? And, like, walking away from that was a bit scary, even though on principle I wanted to. And... Everything went great, and we talked about politics, almost none. Almost none. And this year, after the election, I've seen it compound, right? Like, now it's even more. And I think, again, it's the combination of the accumulation of the election. It's done. Like, it's, it's, it, we're not going to be dealing with this for at least two years, really, four. Um, and I need something to do in the interim. And I also think it's the banning, because I said it was about 2016 when you could see this coming, I think a lot of people thought I was crazy when I said it's going to get out of hand, stupid, with banning people and you know censoring videos and censoring posts. But I was saying by by about 2018, I was like challenging, I was like Zuckerberg, you know Google, Dorsey, ban us, please ban us all, right? because like, I knew if you if they banned us enough, that's what the other side needed, and I think those two things have just come together in like this. Uh, this this this, this Maj Paz sandwich of lunacy, and I hope they keep going. Like the the Doctor Seuss thing, that's like that's as big a gift to our side as storming the Capitol was to the left. The storming the Capitol was the biggest gift the left has ever been handed, and it's it's done terrible things for society. But banning Doctor Seuss might be a bigger gift to everybody that's focused on liberty because. You know, people that are – they don't really pay attention, right? And they kind of go along and, like, you know, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah, of course they do. And they kind of rah-rah it without really getting involved. And they swallow all this bullshit. And then they hear, well, Dr. Seuss is banned because it's racist and it depicts people of certain genders or races in a bad way. And people are like, wait a minute. Dr. Seuss doesn't even have people in it. <laughs> a who is not a representation of any human race? Because it's not a human. The cat in the hat is a freaking cat. Like, I mean, it's a cat. It's not a per- – they're not people. They were intentionally not people. You know, they were – it was designed to appeal to children, and, and the, the, the central message from Seuss is we're all the same. And the the left is not opposed to Dr. Seuss because he's his books were racist. It's because they're not – racist because today to not be racist well that means you're really a racist you know what I mean you know oh, dude yeah. if if you say that, that that all people are equal and should be treated equal and you're a white person saying it especially a white male that's cisgendered like you are Glenn, <laughs> then you're really really super racist you're like Hitler racist right and like when that case gets made, to the person pseudo-paying attention, turns the news on 30 minutes a night, goes on with her life, probably better off than the rest of us anyway, mentally. But they're like, oh, no, wait a minute. No, 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 no. That went too far. That Yeah, like, mentioned- please Sorry. go after Judy Bloom or something next. I mean, we'll, you just keep going. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you mentioned 2020 being a great year for the uh, your preparedness show, and and I agree it was amazing for prepping 2.0. I mean the the graph of of downloads was just off the charts. Here's why I think 2021 it relates to what you were saying. 2021 will be fabulous for slow, steady, non fear based preparedness, and and I see two factors leading to that, both of which are great. The first one is TP preppers, right? You know, the March of 2020 and all of a sudden people saw for the first, this is the general population we're talking
1: about. For the
2: first time in their lives, they saw an empty shelf. Oh my goodness, is this even like possible as a matter of physics? Can this even happen? Yes, it can. So we got that. But here's why I think that 2021 is, again, the slow, steady, non-fear-based prepping motivator and driver. A lot of people that are maybe leaning towards our side but are not quite like we are, they're they're not gen pop but they're not preppers like we are, they're inclined towards it. They saw something in 2020, they saw several things. The main thing they saw is they looked around and the general population around them were drones that were believing the most stupid stuff, that if you wear a mask that you're not going to spread this stuff, if you wear two masks it's even better, that – that biological males can compete with biological females and break all these records, the doctor seuss all the nonsense of twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. And and people are seeing in huge numbers, they're seeing that the general population are idiot drones who will go along with the most stupid of stupid things. And these and these good people who see this say, Holy crap, I thought I could just rely on my neighbor to be like a decent dude. I don't know that I can rely on that now. I better take care of myself. There are some scary idiots that will follow the government, and I better have a plan. And I think that's what's really fueling a lot of this good, healthy, um, slow, and steady prepping.
1: Yeah, and I think it's hitting prepping, but I think it's hitting a lot of things. I think it's actually making more and more people – I would just say move the right direction on the spectrum of liberty. Yeah, I, I'm pretty far out there with how little government I think there should be, and, and that I think there should be none. Uh, but I also, you know, my roots are—I called myself at one time a small government Republican. I even ran for office as a Libertarian. So we all have this migration we make, and I'm happy to see anybody move in the right direction. So I don't, and I think kind of prepping and liberty go hand in hand, in that the more liberty you think we should have, like all of it. The more, then you have to start thinking. Well, wait a minute. If I'm going to have all this freedom, then that means there's not going to be this nanny state to take care of me, which it's not going to do it anyway. But you, you, you know what I'm saying. You break the illusion, and then you start saying, "Well, then, yeah, like uh, all the toilet paper disappeared. Hmm. I wonder if all the food could disappear. And then if you know, if you, if you're an investor and you start looking at something this year like soybean futures." And you're, you're kind of making those two things connect, and you're like, well, I don't eat soybeans, but gee, a shitload of people do, and so do like all of the animals in the main food supply system. Oh, and look at us still exporting all of our soy and corn and wheat over to countries that have banned exports of their own way to, we could have a food shortage this year that is not in the way that we normally think like. All those types of connections start to get made when a person migrates in the direction of liberty. And so prepping and liberty go hand-in-hand hand that way. Not that all all preppers are very libertarian and not that all libertarians are preppers, but it seems like the correlation is much stronger. You don't find a lot of like Bernie Sanders supporting leftists that are preppers. And I, I find that very interesting, actually, because to me, prepping is really universal – I mean, it's the most basic form of insurance that a human being can have. It's the most fundamentally responsible thing like a freaking grown ass adult can do. And yet the left considers prepping a right wing extreme topic like having water in your basement, you know, and having backup heat is not a left right issue. But yet it is.
2: Yeah, it's because obviously the left is terrified that even a handful of us out of the general population will actually be able to drink water without their approval. <laughs> yeah. And and they're so it's it's a cult. I mean, you know, leftism is a cult and they cannot stand they cannot tolerate. It's sort of like, well I'm not going to name names, there are some uh, rather extreme uh, religions in this world that do not accept any dissent and will uh, kill people that dissent, and they lose their minds, and they obsess about the idea that there's one dissenter somewhere out there. Well, that's, that's like the left, and they just want to be able to turn off the water and make all of us submit, every single last one of us submit to them, and they lose their minds. But they've picked a really stupid topic to have <laughs> that dogmatic opinion on because people need to drink, and there's a human drive. It's all over the world, and it's yeah. been... Done throughout history, this is nothing American or contemporary American. Everybody wants water and they want their kids to have water. And that left, the left has picked that as a thing to freak out about. Well, you should have picked something a little less important to try to boss us around with. But the left are ideologues. They can't help themselves.
1: So, roping this back into the subject as, yes. we, as we wrap up here, with all of this being said, Can you kind of just kind of sum up in the end, then, how important it is for us to have these alternate methods of communications? Because I am very much of the belief that the easiest way for me to let my neighbor know that some shit's going on is a text message or a cell phone until it doesn't work, right? And it's like, so we have alternatives, and why that could become increasingly important as we go forward.
2: Yeah, well, there's the, the usual, uh, grid disruptions and, and you guys in Texas experience that, right? I mean, yep. electricity is obviously required for phones and for cell towers and for servers and all of those other things. And just say no more than Texas winter of 2021. And that should explain why that is fragile. You've also got, um, Hacking, which is a big deal. I think it happens more than we're led to believe. Um, And obviously that could be internal or it could be external things. That would completely destroy the usual phone and and Internet-based stuff. You could have big tech selectively uh, turning off or slowing down uh, phone and computer services for disfavored people. I could just see big tech saying, well, you know, Jack Spirko is going to use his internet connection to tell people lies, and so we're going to maybe we don't cancel it because that's too obvious. Maybe we just slow it down to like you know AOL dial-up speeds or whatever it is. So you've got that, and that that used to be far-fetched; it is it is no longer far-fetched. Then you've got the combinations of all of these, and you've just you've just got the the systems. Let's say the systems work, but like on nine eleven, everybody's calling everybody and, and texting everybody and crashing the systems. So it's my point is it's very, very easy to see that there can and will be and have been disruptions to the normal communications uh, avenues. So once you accept that maybe these things will be disrupted, the question then is, well, how important is it to be able to communicate with, and I think you picked a great example your neighbors. Well, I think it's enormously important for the, the motorcycle gang reason, the, the axe accident, you know, reason. Plus, there's, there's a, a morale and, uh, just a sense of security, uh, morale, I guess is the word I'll stick with. Uh, knowing that you're in communication with your neighbors, you're gonna, you're gonna want to be able to receive and to transmit, uh, information, you know, when, when's the power coming back on or something like that or, you know, I, there's a curfew in town or whatever it might be. You've got to do that. And that's kind of the neighborhood, country road, cul-de-sac level of stuff. There's, there, there's another important thing. And that is, you know, tactical stuff, being able to talk to each other, being able to run roadblocks, being able to avoid roadblocks, um, having security forces. Absolutely. You need on body, you know, on kit communications and then I think it's very very valuable to have as I mentioned it sounds like a weird term but it's not a dispatcher somebody who can listen to the law enforcement and first responder bands and all of the other radio uh, traffic of, of people good and bad who are well armed right and uh, to know what's going on with that I think and this is a weird way to answer your question but it's the first thing that came to mind I think that when people have their communications disrupted and they don't have an alternative, their mind will instantly fill in the blanks about why they really needed to have done this. Now, of course, it's too late then, right? But I think there'll be a million examples of people going, "Oh, geez, now I know why it was important." Well, let's let's uh, predict those and let's have a plan for it and let's ameliorate. It. You know, one of the things about ham radio when you keep it practical at the prepper level, like you know, we talk about. This is not expensive, and this is not time-consuming. If somebody said you need to go find magic crystals and run electrons through them and have antennas made out of like unicorn horns or something in order by lithium,
1: right? <laughs> in order
2: to talk to each other, I would say, well, you know what? That is not high on my priorities because uh, that's dumb. It is so cheap and so easy to do this. Yes, Beofang radios. A, a modern miracle, twenty five dollars. Although they've gone up in price now, maybe it's thirty five. It's so easy to do this. You're, you're really you're really doing yourself a disservice by not doing it. And here's a cool thing too. And I realized this when I went through this whole learning process and then put these cards together. I hope I don't sound like you know Doctor Phil, psycho babble, but I will say this: there's a sense of accomplishment that carries over into other aspects of prepping in life. When I sat down and took the time and figured this stuff out and accomplished something I didn't think I was going to be able to accomplish right i found that very gratifying and not just like give myself a trophy kind of gratifying but then i started saying well you know there's this other topic that i thought would be pretty hard you know what i'm going to give that a whirl and here's the other thing if you have a mutual assistance group when it comes to you know being being the guy or the woman or whatever who who takes it on to learn comms, there's a leadership factor to that. The other people in your group will say, man, he or she, I really appreciate that. They're pretty squared away. They, they took on a big topic and, and they got it down. Um, and that's good for your group. I mean, I'm not saying self aggrandizing you're the leader or anything like that. I'm saying taking on stuff and, and being a leader and showing other people, giving them confidence too, um, that this is learnable There's every single bit of positivity and upside. There's no downside. This stuff is cheaper than, you know, a a hundred prepper gadgets on Amazon that I could name off if I had to, right? This is so inexpensive. And now it's easy and it's always been important. And as big tech starts doing more and more dumb stuff like they're doing, it's even more important now. So there's no downside to this.
1: Well, and, you know, I think one thing that can root people in how important it is, we got on a sideline here an entire discussion about social media. The only purpose of social media is for people to communicate with each other. They might mostly communicate political articles, at least in some spaces, but that's the whole point. So we have this yearning drive to communicate. I also think that setting up kind of a neighborhood, at least the ones that are worth setting up with basic comm gear, is a really soft entry point into talking about prepping. Because it's not, hey, let me tell you how to get your full battle rattle together, right? Like It's like, yeah. hey, I want to give you this radio, show you how it works, and if the phones aren't working, we have a storm or something, right? Just turn it on, and I promise you, if it's if that happens, I'll be on there, right? Well, what happens then is those people start to think, well, yeah, I guess. And then they start thinking, well, what, what could go wrong? And as soon as people do that... They start thinking about, well, what would you need? What would you need? And I think, like, right now is a great time for not just Texas, a lot of the country. Because we got all the press about, you know, the grid failures and whatever. Man, there were people without power from Washington State to Georgia up to Maine. That's a pretty broad area. Now we had a higher concentration because Ergot sucks and made some really stupid decisions, and we bought into federal mandates on windmills, and there was some other. Like I'm gonna, I I, I know you don't listen to the show all the time or whatever, but like I said recently, like you will never get the full story on what went wrong. You can't just blame windmills for this. You can blame them, but you can't just blame them. And uh, so we had bigger problems. But but even people that didn't have a problem, they saw the problem, and it. As soon as people see that and that whole 2020 thing, right? Like one of my fishing guide buddies from Florida, like two weeks into this, I got an email from him. All I said was, holy shit, Jack, you were right. <laughs> right? And so I think like there's a it's a prime on-ramp and it's a prime time. So it's a good thing for people to look at.
2: Absolutely. The, the need has never been higher and the tools – have never been easier and cheaper it's like why wouldn't you this is the golden age of prepping right now and why wouldn't you and this this comms thing is this scary topic to many it's the one that never gets addressed and now it can be i mean you've been handed to a listener and and Pick them up and run with them and be, th- and be thankful that there's a thing out there that lets you check this off of your to-do list because there's a million other things on your to-do list. Spend your time and money on the harder ones and get this easy one out of the way.
1: Agreed. Agreed. So you want to give people the website again and any other websites you want to give them where they can catch up with you?
2: You bet. The main one would be pam-radio, pam-radio.com. Um, the podcast is Prepping 2.0, which is prepping2-0.com. Uh, the books, still fun, uh, 299days.com. And my wife's books, which I think are pretty awesome, are also prepper, uh, fiction novels. And that's, uh, a great state.com. So between those, you should be able to find us. But the main one for today's topic, I would stick with pam-radio.com.
1: Okay, cool. Well, I appreciate it. What, what did you say, uh, you, uh your wife's, uh, series? Was Book series? Again?
2: It's yeah. called, there's a three book series um, that I'm just going to say predicted an amazing amount of stuff, and you got to read it to appreciate it. I was blown away. A uh, great AGREATSTATE.com, and the book series is called The okay. Great State.
1: I just want to make sure that got into the uh, show notes as well. I'm going to make sure all of that stuff is in uh, the show notes. And, and Glenn, man, I appreciate you being with us today.
2: Always a pleasure, and I mean that sincerely. I will add one final thing. This, this, Jack is the one guy on the face of the earth, everybody, who has a copy of book one of 299 days that I I signed with my real name because Glenn Tate's a pen name and I hide my real name for a variety of reasons. He's the only guy in the world who has a book signed with my real name, and I love that. That was like a special thing I could do to show you my gratitude for all the help you've given the book and everything else so thank you jack i mean that
1: yeah and i have a very small bookshelf of books that never leave and those th- that is one of them that's on them and that whole thing and that visit and all kind of also led we talked about kind of the the kickstarter we did and i don't know where this thing is but we need to find it someday what i would call the greatest outtake in history and you yeah. know <laughs> you know what i'm talking about that it was, was fabulous <laughs> it was excellent anyway man i appreciate you for uh, being with us today
2: thank you so much
1: well, great conversation with Glenn as always um, just an awesome guy. It, it I, I really hope we can find. There's this video that we alluded to there that is. I don't even want to explain it, um, but it was an outtake at the end of the Kickstarter video that just sort of happened. And I was, uh, I was. By the time we got that far into it, I was, I was not hammered, but I was a bit buzzed. We've been drinking some really. Really good, very, very old rum uh, at that point. Anyway, guys, I want to remind you, if you like the show and the work that we do, you can always help support us by doing your online shopping where? TSPAS.com. TSPAS, TSPAS, tspaz.com. You can't forget it because I'm going to keep saying it so you'll never, ever forget it. Because if you can help the show you just spent like an hour listening to, why wouldn't you? Especially if it doesn't cost you anything. That's what TSPAS is. You go there, you start your shopping there, no matter what you buy, you help us out. However, if you're looking for stuff, everything I've ever reviewed is there categorized alphabetically, and I guarantee you there is no place online where you can get more honest opinions about things that really work with great value-to-price ratios than TSPAS. Because I won't, I repeat, won't recommend an item that I have not purchased myself and decided if I need this again, I'll buy it again. Today's item of the day is something that I bought long before TSPAS, long before TSP. I first bought this item 14 years ago, and after I interviewed Glenn, before I did this intro and outro work, I just went and had lunch, and I used it. 15 years, and I used it. It's the Fletcher's Federal Pepper Mill. I know that sounds like an odd thing to hear on a prepper show, but I'm all about lifestyle design. And that means when you buy something, if it can be a lifetime investment or a 15-year investment versus a five-year investment or a two-year investment, or you get better quality, then that's what you buy. The Fletcher's Federal Pep- Pepper Mill used to be actually the Vic Firth Pepper Mill. Vic Firth, the famous drummer and drumstick designer, um, and it turned into Fletcher's, uh, but they kept the design, they kept all the components, everything the same. I bought this thing in like a gourmet kitchen store because I'm a cook, if you don't know. And so we, we we were somewhere and we're like, why don't we go in there and check this out? We go in there and we looked at everything. And I I picked this pepper mill up and I had just thrown one away like a week ago. And pepper mills are one of those things that, like everybody makes garbage, is is what they come out to be. It was forty nine ninety five, and I looked at the tag, and the tag said the last pepper mill you'll ever buy, and I was fifty like, dollars, but I didn't put it down. And I found myself a few moments later standing at the cash register, paying fifty dollars for a pepper mill, and going. Why are you doing this? And I looked at the tag again. And it was a rumble, grumble. It better not. And I've had it now 15 years. 14 years, actually. I did the math day. 14 years, almost 15 years. Now, that is an investment. And the good news, it's on sale today for 38 bucks. I paid 50 bucks for it almost a decade and a half ago, and you can pay less for it today. It is just a great tool. The write-up gives you some additional information that, about you know, actually where to get the best peppercorns you can buy for the money on the on the Internet today. And it also remind. I want to say this as well, though, in case you uh, just get the email and click through and don't read the write-up or whatever. Um, they make pepper mills, they make salt grinders, and they make salt and pepper shakers. Like many things on Amazon, when you land on one, you're kind of on a page where you can see them all. And just by changing the colors, if there's not, a let's say, a red one that's a mill, it may switch to the salt grinder or something. So Just make sure, if you use my links for this, that you get what you're looking for. I also own the salt grinder, by the way. It's freaking awesome. It's freaking awesome. I do want to say one thing about this. If you read the reviews, it's like 85% of the reviews, and there's thousands, are five stars. And a few people that say it doesn't work, it's junk, it's all hype, whatever, I can tell by reading this, these people don't know how to operate a pepper mill. It is a mechanical device, and you know how you put the the top on the bottom part of the grinder, the little screw down thing. That all affects how they work. But I, I don't think anybody that listens to this show uh, requires an explanation. I'll just tell you that is of how to do it. But I'll tell you that's the why of their their nonsense. All right, with that, let's go ahead and uh, wrap things up with our song of the day today. This is a really great song. It is an old song. It's by George Jones. And it's called Choices. And this song is about how we have to live with the choices that we've made and how we can regret those choices, how those choices can have extremely long-lasting consequences. And I would say this, though. If that choice has not fully destroyed a relationship or ended up with you in a wheelchair or somebody else or ended up with you dead or somebody else dead or ended up with you incarcerated in a penitentiary or something like that, if it's just a bad choice that's made your life worse, you don't really have to live with it. And there's not a lot of advantage into sitting around regretting bad choices of the past. It's a, it's good that we keep enough of them with us so that we maximize the present and as we move into the future and the present becomes the future. I'll let you figure that time temporal thing out yourself. But we don't control the past, and we never will. I love Star Trek, but time travel ain't happening, folks. Not in our lifetime especially, but I don't think ever. So we aren't going to control the past. But in a way, time travel is possible. In that the things that we do today change the future. When we make that decision, the future changes instantaneously, even though it hasn't happened yet. So when you listen to this song, instead of meditating on the bad choices you've made, take it more of a a cautionary tale to use those bad decisions in order to make better decisions going forward. With that, it's been Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. I've
0: had choices. Since the day that I was born There were voices That told me right from wrong If I had listened No, I wouldn't be here today Living and dying With the choices I've made I was tempted by an early age I found I liked drink Oh, and I never turned it down There were loved ones But I turned them all away Now I'm loving and dying With the choices I've made I've had choices Since the day that I was born, there were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, no, I wouldn't be here today, living and dying with the choices I made. I guess I'm paying for the things that I've done, if I could go back. Oh, Lord knows I'd run, but I'm still losing. This game of life I play, losing and dying with the choices I've made. I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, I wouldn't be here today. You'll been dying with the choices I've made. Living and dying with the choices I've made.